The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show on Voice America, America's Voice. Today, we are talking about yoga. Yoga has never been more popular. Throughout the United States, people are turning to this ancient practice as a response to today's pressures of our hectic world. My guest is Rolf Gates. His book is Meditations on Intention and Being. He's an acclaimed yoga teacher, and he draws on 20 years of experience to explore and explain how to take the mindfulness of yoga off the mat and integrate it into every aspect of life. And again, the book is Meditations on Intention and Being. Welcome, Rolf. Hey, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great. All right. Now, I know that you conduct workshops and retreats and teacher trainings and coaching throughout the United States and abroad and have written for numerous magazines. Let's talk about this, this book, Meditations on Intention and Being. How did you find the inspirational reflections? Where did you get them from and what inspired you? Well, you know, this is my second book on daily reflections. I wrote Meditations from the Mat uh, about 12 years ago. Um, and, you know, that was written to invite people to yoga. You know, yoga was just taking off in the United States. And I wanted the people who are going to the gym and the Y um, and, you know, finding yoga in their, you know, health club or what have you, um, to have a way to understand yoga besides the physical poses and how yoga is, can be a lifestyle or support to your lifestyle. And I wanted it to be something that you could just pick up and read a paragraph in the morning on a busy day and kind of just get your game on. And mm-hmm. that comes, you know, in a daily reflections format was, you know, shared with me by the recovering community. I got sober uh, actually in the Army in 1990, and I went to rehab, and in rehab they gave me a daily reflections book on how to live sober. And I wanted people to have a book on how to live yoga, you know, and mm-hmm. so that's meditation on the mat. And then Meditations on Intention Being kind of comes from, you know, shortly after my first book, my daughter was born, and I've been a parent now for 12 years. I have a son and a daughter. And meditation was my way of adapting to the demands of mm-hmm. parenting. You know, I really took my meditation game up, and I studied very intensively. And so the second book is kind of an invitation to a meditation practice. Yes. And so if you look at the cover of the first book, there's a mat on it. And the cover of the second book, there's a cushion on it. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the inspiration came from. It's a kind of a combination of my own life and then also my understanding of the needs of the students. I mean, the reality is, is that... The yoga world has matured. It's went from one mm. million people when I wrote my first book to twenty five million people now. Mm. Mm. 
And, why do you and think, want, Ralph, why do you ahead. think why do you think yoga has become so enormous, so popular now? Is it because there are so many people stressed? Well, I think the first thing is that anyone who actually tries yoga, there's almost an immediate positive effect. And yeah. very few things can provide, you know, uh, in deference to, you know, the fact that there are other things. I think for some people, I think CrossFit would be an example of something that had this immediate effect that people really enjoyed. Um, <laughs> Starbucks comes to mind as something that, like, people mm-hmm. immediately were like, oh, I, I would like to have a better cup of coffee. You know, maybe 20 years ago, that was, like, where you'd get one. Um, and yoga's like that. So when people walk in, they take a class, there's this, uh, there's this physical exercise piece that I think yoga really benefited from the fact that for 20 years, gyms were providing movement classes like aerobics. So people could understand, okay, you go and you get this class. But a yoga class makes you feel better like, than I think mm-hmm. any other class would make you feel. I-, I was an athlete. I'd done everything before yoga. I played football. I'd been in the military. I'd been a wrestler, a marathoner. And I walked out of my first yoga class feeling better than I ever felt before. And so I think that's what happened, you know, yeah. is that people took classes and they felt better. Um, but I think you can do yoga and your life will work better. Mm-hmm. Do you poses. think, Rolf, that's what my book is for. Yeah, do you think that in a way yoga, the movement and the pace and the concentration, do you think that's a part of meditation? It's it's a form of meditation? <laughs> Well, I think absolutely. What I do mostly is I have a seated meditation practice, and I have the skills that my teachers taught me to use in that practice. But I just teach those same skills when people are doing poses. It's very transferable. Mm-hmm. I think that there's an important um, uh, one way to think about it is the poses are how to take action with skill, and so there's time to act. And seated meditation is learning how to be still and to let go. I think there's times to act and there's times to, to be still and to let go. And it's kind of like a bird flaps and a bird soars. And you can't just flap. You can't just soar. you got to do both. And mm-hmm. So I'm a real advocate of a movement practice and a sitting practice. And that's the, se- the second book is about the sitting practice. Yeah. Let's talk about um, some of the, in the chapters, you explore effortlessness, nonviolence, mm-hmm. Uh, mindfulness, compassion, loving kindness, joy, equanimity, the intention of being, and the spirit of practice. So pick one of those areas and maybe share something that's in the book or one of your intentions around one of these practices, one of these chapters. Okay, yeah, I have um, an essay that's not, it's from the effortless, uh, effortlessness chapter, and I want to first talk about what but um, the purpose of the chapter in general, then I think the essay will make sense. Um, what I find is that if you ask an American yoga student to take an action, they'll do it at 110%. Um, and that extra effort, that extra 10%, will be experienced as tension and stress and suffering. And that, you know, and, you know, for thousands of years, yogis have been using what's called wise effort, which is, you know, if you take an action with an ounce of extra effort, that extra effort will be experienced as tension. And so we're learning through the yoga poses and through the seated poses to take an action with wise effort, which is a balance of effort and ease that's just right. It's kind of like 
anything else. But you speed this T for four minutes, that one for two. There's kind of a just right for being in a conversation, for being, mm-hmm. for writing a paper, you know, um, driving on a highway, you know. And so wise effort is this idea of being able to take an action without creating stress and tension mm-hmm. by over-efforting or mm-hmm. under-efforting. And so I have kind of a pretty thing. I'm from California, and this essay is kind of California-inspired. It's about surfing. It's short, but it kind of talks about, like, this idea of just wise effort. It's called Sitting Still. It's day 32. One of the things you notice about experienced surfers is that they are never confused about where they need to be in the water in order to catch a wave. This lack of confusion manifests in a lack of busyness. They paddle to where they need to be, then sit still, and allow the ocean, being the ocean, to work to their advantage. Their skill in being in the right place at the right time comes from a willingness to sit still and watch, then sit still and wait. Eventually, they combine their ability to be patient and observant with the ability to act decisively and a wave is caught. The entire process is an exclusive demonstration of doing less and accomplishing more. Or to put it another way, yoga. And so there's this combination, and so the cover, the title of the book is Intention and Being. Mm. You know, and intention is kind of like the active side of life. It's the focused, you know, like this is my intention. And I'm, we're very proud of my family today. My daughter... Uh, just went, you know, she qualified for the county science fair and then she just became a finalist at the California state fair, mm-hmm. uh, which is a huge deal. Uh, we're so stoked. And so there's that quality of life where, you know, she had, she's been working on this for months. There's this focus, there's this drive, there's this desire. And so there's a quality of life that's expressed through intention, right? Like this is what I'm up to. But mm. then there's this other quality of life which is expressed through stillness and through being. Mm. You think about someone listening to you, they express their intention by being still and quiet and receptive. Mm. And so there's this balance, and you see it when there's, you know, it's wonderful to see it in the ocean because you see these, these really kind of courageous, you know, human beings that are out there in the element. Mm. But there's this kind of peacefulness to them and a patience yeah. and a faithfulness as well. You know, and I, that's a and great one. So yoga speaks yeah, to both. All right, we have a few minutes to break before we come back. So I'd like you to talk about the whole idea of nonviolence in yoga because um, we're not seeing that so much in our society today. We're seeing a lot of strife and violence. So address the nonviolence piece. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I could go a lot of different directions on that, but I'll I'll um I'll just speak from my own experience. You know, I was in the military, and I I'd grown up kind of watching John Wayne movies, and I I didn't much give any thought to you know this idea of taking another person's life. It felt normal. I'd watched it a million times on television and movies, and I went to my training, and so at 26 years old, I was a military officer, and I didn't have any misgivings about you know, um, if I was sent into combat doing my job, you know, which could be ending people's lives or, or others to end people's lives. Uh, but then I got sober, and I was in rehab, and, you know, that process kind of just opened my mind and my heart to all the things I didn't know. I didn't know I had an addiction. I didn't know that there was a spiritual life that someone could cultivate, that there was a higher power someone could bring into their life. And I was learning all about this in rehab, and I just had a day when I realized that I didn't know, and I write about this in my book, actually, I didn't know enough about anything to be the person 
who judges whether another person should live or die. And like literally in rehab, in the military, in a uniform, I, I saw that just out of humility alone, I needed to choose news nonviolence out of just recognizing how little I knew about the world. Who was I to take another person's life? Mm. And from that position, it's kind of blossomed. And now I'd have to say, you know, 25 years later, that my nonviolence to me is more just a recognition of how everyone is fighting a hard battle. And basically, you know, a grown-up, mature attitude towards the struggle of a typical human being is compassion. Mm. If we're not, like, really, if we're not compassionate for each other, we're really not paying attention. Yeah. You know, to our own struggles, and the, yeah. everyone is fighting a hard battle, yeah. and and we have a short time on this planet. And to me, the essence of nonviolence is being: who do you want to be in another person's life? I want to be the guy that and, you know who wants to help you up, yeah. who wants to give a word. And don't you think too um, that the yoga really helps you with that practice of nonviolence? I mean, it's it's a tool. It really helps to you know, put that inside your system. Yeah, well, what happens for me, and, what, and I think what happens for a lot of people, is that you become um, self-aware. And as you become, there's a phrase in yoga, the more you come to understand yourself, the more you come to understand everybody else. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as I become increasingly mm-hmm. self-aware, I realize that everyone is, you know, str- you know like I said, everyone's yeah. fighting a hard battle. And who am I to judge, essentially? Right. And right. when I look closely, and yoga gives us the ability to look closely at the depth of my own struggle and how there's this great heart within me that's trying to love well, but this, it's complicated, and it's one day at a time. And, mm-hmm. you know, if I could help another person with that struggle, that's about all you can ask for in life. Mm-hmm. You know? And mm-hmm. it's really the only point yeah. in life, I think. So the idea that you would be indifferent to that struggle or in fact harm that struggle seems completely, you know, not even worthy of comment because mm-hmm. but that comes from that inner connection. As you come to know yourself, you realize what people are struggling with and, you know, who you want to be in your life and other people's lives. Right. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are talking to Ralph Gates, who's the author of Meditations on Intention and Being. Daily Reflections on the Path of Yoga, Mindfulness, and Compassion. And uh, Rolf is a, a worldwide and acclaimed yoga teacher, and he teaches programs throughout the United States and abroad. And we're going to come back and talk more about yoga and meditations right here on The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Family caregivers face some tough challenges every day in caring for a partner, parent, child, sibling, friend, neighbor, or even coworker. You are there to provide the care that these people need after everyone else has gone home. Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley will provide you with a social networking experience. You'll hear from experts and others who are experiencing the same things, and together you will promote a common cause. Tune in to Family Caregivers Unite, live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to the Patricia Raskin Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We are talking about the power of yoga with my guest, Rolf Gates, author of the acclaimed book on yogic philosophy, Meditations from the Mat, Daily Reflections on the Path of Yoga. Rolf conducts workshops on yoga and retreats and teacher trainings and coaching and mentor programs throughout the United States and abroad and online, and his work has been featured in numerous media, including Yoga Journal, Origins, People Magazine, uh, Leisure's 25, Travel and Leisure's 25 top yoga studios in the world. He's co-founder of the Yoga Meditation and Recovery Conference at the Esalen Institute in Big Sur and Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health in Lenox, Mass., and many others. Welcome back, Rolf. Okay, let's talk about what people are experiencing when they come to a yoga class. Well, I think this has been a really attractive uh, uh, component, like how yoga spreads so rapidly. And I think the first thing I want to say is there's really yoga for everybody. And so there's yoga for kids, there's yoga you know, for people who are older, there's yoga for people with spinal injuries or with, um, who, are, who are missing a limb. Okay, so there's, there's, first of all, there's, so there's yoga for everybody, so everyone can participate, you know, and there's skilled and passionate teachers kind of, you know, all over the United States at this point, working in schools, working in prisons, making this available to everybody. And so if someone looks into it, they can find a class appropriate for them nearby. The next thing is that once you show up, you know, you're in a lead exercise class. And so for, you know, it's far less expensive than having a private lesson with a fitness trainer or a yoga teacher, but it's essentially the same thing. You've got someone who has their eye on you for the hour, hour and a half, and they're going to guide you through everything. So you're getting like a first rate ex- physical experience every time you show up and you don't, and you have the kind of added benefit of a coach. And so people are getting great results pretty quickly that way. And then there's the group element, which is like it's non-competitive. You're not comparing, but you're feeling the energy of the room. You're getting the kind of support of 
you know, within very little time, you have, you know, some people that you like who you see, you know, on Wednesdays and Fridays, and you start to, there starts to be a community that forms. So it's serving a lot of the purpose that um, churches have served, that 12 steps mm. serve for people, where there's this community that isn't related to your job, it's not related to your kid's school, mm-hmm. it's something out for your extended family, it's, a, it's your community of choice, yeah. you get to go and kind of say, hey, Bob, hey, Bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me, ask you, let me ask you this, Rolf. What about people who see yoga and, you know, they're watching, <laughs> looking at yoga magazine with the people in the pretzel positions, and they're saying, you know, they might have had injury or they might be overweight and have more trouble with mobility and, and movement. And, you know, they look at this and they automatically shut it down and say, I can't do yoga. I'm too this, I'm too that, I don't have flexibility, I can't twist like that. What would you say to, to those folks well, unfortunately, um, you know, the few magazines there are in the yoga field are driven by the same considerations that every other, you know, yeah. um, you know, corporation is. You know, so they're, they're selling clothes, essentially, and they're selling some food and some supplements, and they have a certain kind of body which they, they you know, they feel can sell clothes and sell, um, you know, supplements. And that's, it's unfortunate because... That is in, in no way represents the experience of yoga. Right. It, it represents the experience of marketing. Um, mm-hmm. And so people really shouldn't, you know, I, I hope if you're listening that you, you hear that, that, you know, one of the most heartwarming pieces to me of developments in yoga in the last 10 years is this, you know, people go to mainstream trainings where, the, you know, the, train, the training I do, for example, is for... You know, I came up through the ranks of Boston and New York, these big studios for kind of fit people, and I train people to teach those classes. But what, I, what I'm really excited about is that people have turned around and taken those classes and adapted to the needs to, like, the entire spectrum. So we're talking about teaching in homeless shelters, te- teaching in halfway mm-hmm. houses for people with addiction, mm-hmm. keeping, te- you know, every body, every, every station in life is being served these days by people who have gone through their regular trainings and like, you know what, I want to teach this to my population. Mm-hmm. And so, for instance, within the Christian faith, there's a lot of people who went through yoga training and then have created classes specifically for their church and for around their, their, their church's values and belief systems. And that would be an example to me of like what, why yoga is spreading so rapidly is because it's a, it's, a, it's a training of, you know, it's a health and wellness training yes. which can be modified for any situation, if you've got 30 minutes, if you've got a week, if you've got six months, it doesn't, it's like whatever amount of time you have, whatever body you have, you can get a benefit. There's days when I have five minutes, and if I do yoga for five minutes, it's way better than if I had done none. Right, you know? right. Talk about the, bre- the breath, because so much of meditation is breath, but so much of yoga is breath, too. And for people who don't meditate or, you know, have trouble doing deep breathing, talk about how yoga can really help with that. Well, I think that the research is that, you know, people are, um, there's two different systems. There's the fight-or-flight system, and then there's the rest-and-renew system. And the research tells us that we should be in the rest and renew system. I believe it's a I always mix them up. There's sympathetic and parasympathetic. I believe the parasympathetic system is the rest and renew system. And we should be in that system for about 80% of the time or more. 
and that we have the sympathetic system for when a tiger shows up or the bear shows up, and that's our stress reaction where we, you know, we, we prepare to fight or flight. And what has happened is people have kind of flipped it, and they're in the stress reaction, going to work, stress reaction at work, stress reaction going home from work, um, dropping the kids off to school. Um, and so their systems are getting overworked, and that's why we have all this stress with the related um, illness. And the research is saying that one of the simplest ways to move from fight or flight to rest and renew is three slow, deep breaths. It's mm. amazing. You're like, three. Really? I know. <laughs> you know, three slow, deep breaths can, can, can be, you know, not surprisingly, uh, you know, um, what they say is if you want to increase the overall well-being of any organism, increase their capacity to integrate oxygen, you know, increase their breathing ability. And so three slow, deep breaths, it's, 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 it's bringing the oxygen in, it's releasing the toxins, it's, it's stretching out the muscles of respiration, and it's moving you from fight or flight to rest and renew. And what yoga does, which is really powerful, is it, it retrains the central nervous system. We've been trained into a stress reaction, and yoga teaches us to associate the stress of being in a, a, a yoga pose, the stress of being in a movement, you know, the, just the normal stresses of life, to respond to those normal stresses with slow, deep breathing. And so I, I actually start my class with slow, deep breathing, and I'm cueing the class to slow, deep breathing throughout, you know, we'll do like 90 minutes of exercise without ever leaving the slow, deep rhythm of the breath so that we're learning to take action without creating suffering, without creating mm-hmm. stress. Mm-hmm. We're learning to breathe slow and deep as we handle life's, you know, normal ups and downs. Yeah, just through life, you know, I mean, you think about um, what yoga does in general is it, is it uh, allows the individual to train their central nervous system to respond to life with wisdom and compassion. But it begins with the body. You know, one of the insights of yoga is that there's a way of being in the body and the breath that will bring peace to the mind and the heart. And so... We bring self-awareness to ourselves in these poses and in the meditations, and we see cause and effect. If I'm this way in my body, does it create tension in, in the mind and in the heart? You know, and we find a way of, you know, a balanced way of being in our body and a, as a rhythm in our breathing that stills the mind and brings peace to the heart. And so, um, yeah, we want to respond to life with wisdom and with compassion. But before we do that, we need to bring a stillness to the mind and a peace to the heart. And so there's an inner climate that puts us in, you know, in position to make good choices. And yoga is about training ourselves into that inner climate so that increasingly, you know, I would say from a percentage, we may be in like a kind of a skillful inner climate half the time when we start yoga. And by, you know, two or three years into the practice, 90% of our days are spent in a very kind of calm and focused and awake place. Right. All right, and Rolf, we, we have just about... That's best chance for making uh, choices. All right, yes. just give us your closing thoughts. We have about a minute left. So your closing thoughts on yoga and meditations on intention and being, what would you like to leave our listeners with? Oh, well, I'd like people to be hopeful. I'd like people to believe that there's never a, t- a, t- a time that you can't begin a health and wellness practice 
that's going to make a huge difference in your life. It can okay. be at 50, it can be at 70. All right. uh, and I'd like to, to reach out. I'm at rolfgates.com. Um, and my wife, Mariam Gates, has is, is, uh, written two books for children, Good Night Yoga and Good Morning Yoga, and they're available anywhere books are sold. And so, yeah, look the Gates is up. All right, rolfgates.com. Okay. Thank you so much, Rolf, for being on the program. Stay on the line for a minute. Thank you. All right, folks, this wraps up this first half of the show. We'll be right back with the second interview right here on voiceamerica.com. I'm Patricia Raskin for The Patricia Raskin Show. We'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week. We'll be right back. 